Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Seasoned. I'm Robin Doyon Aiken. Coming up this hour, we're talking about one of my absolute favorite things, coffee. But we won't be talking about the history of coffee or its fruity and nutty flavor profiles. We did that in a previous episode of Seasoned, and I'll link to it on our show page. This hour is all about how coffee spurs connection and builds community. Later in the show, you'll hear producer Tegan Engel experience an Eritrean coffee ceremony hosted by her dear friend. It's intimate and lovely, and a wonderful example of how sharing coffee can deepen connections. First up, have you been to Samia Cafe and Studio yet? The Hartford Shop's mission extends well beyond coffee. Its founders, Hartford natives Amy Chambers and Elijah Hilleman, opened Samia in 2021. Of course, you'll find cafe con leche, coconut lattes, and Bustelo-based drinks on the menu, but Samia is also a neighborhood living room. Producer Catrice Claudio talked with Elijah about what that means and the importance of third spaces like Samia. Thank you, Elijah, for welcoming us into Samia, which Thank is a you. coffee shop, but it's so much more than that, right? Yes, where we really aim to be more about community and like use coffee as like a center or glue towards that. And as well as the studio aspect, we try to highlight BIPOC uh, individuals who are starting a business and they have like soaps, clothes, candles, what have you. Can you please define what Semilla is for us? Tell us a little bit more about the name origin. So Semilla means seed in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so Amy and I like to think of it as you have to like plant a seed for something to grow specifically in your community. We're growing a third space. Yeah, that's what we're growing. When you visit a website, two phrases strike you immediately. Mm -hmm. It's just coffee is Black and coffee is Indigenous. Yes. Can you talk about that and what it means to have coffee be Black and be Indigenous? Yeah, like predominantly in the coffee that people love is grown in Black and brown places Mm -hmm. by Black and brown people. And then going further into that and thinking critically, land that was once Indigenous to a specific group of people that mm-hmm. is no longer. So it really is an acknowledgement of like fact, you know? Right. <laughs> like, and so I seem like you reflected a lot in how you provide services and products to the community that you serve as well. And so mm-hmm. you have different types of coffee brewers that you work with, some that are locally in Hartford, some that are also internationally, you know, acknowledging where their resources and origins come from. Exactly. How's been building that community been for you? And what has been pivotal about mitigating that erasure of black and brown people when building those coffee brewing coffee providing relationships it's more just like about intention making sure that we are being intentional with every single thing that we're doing in the space Mm -hmm. and continuing to be authentic to ourselves Mm -hmm. and ourselves first like amy and i's mission first and then that will just emanate literally you know and people will pick it up and they'll feel it 
And that's quite evident because everybody has been acknowledging Samia as Hartford's neighborhood living room. Mm-hmm. That was a very intentional design that you guys made from the ground up. I can't commend you enough for the vibes that are being curated in this space to make us feel safe, celebrated, centered, and seen. What happens here in the living room? What kind of experiences do we get to share in this living room? One of my favorite things to see in the shop is I'll have a line of like seven people. And out of the seven, three of them are regulars and I know them and have been able to build a serious like relationship with them outside of just like customers. Like we go hang out, grab dinner, grab some drinks, what have you. But then the regulars will start talking with the newcomers who are waiting in line. And then they have, there's this exchange that's happening and people forget to order. <laughs> um, We're building family and yeah, community. Yeah, like, oh yeah, totally. And it becomes less of a transaction and becomes more of a serious part of your day where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, like I'm coming here to see not only do my work, but also like run to people that I may not know. And that like goes back into the third space experience, a uh, home away from home. And some of those folks tend to be local artists, musicians, yeah. entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And so how has been building community with that section? How are you creating opportunities? Mm-hmm. You have the Maroon series, which is dope. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, like outside of Maroon, Maroon was just like a really fun way to get musicians together at first and like have just a jam session. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really grew into what it's become. And I love that. And then now like... Samia is being associated with music and sound, mm-hmm. right? And I love that. Like, Amy and I love music. We sell records here as well. And it's been really cool to see the budding. It's always been here. But musicians and artists and creatives really start to take their craft seriously through the space. They're like, oh, I want to throw this event here. And then because they've met different people here that also there's a similar alignment, they go on and create other things in other spaces. And then like, oh, yeah, well, we met at Samia. And that's like such a beautiful thing to hear, you know, like. <laughs> to be a, wow, a catalyst yeah. for that journey, yeah, exactly, right? exactly, <laughs> exactly. That makes so much sense. So you and your co-founder, Amy Chambers, mm-hmm. used crowdfunding to get this place started. Necessity being the mother of invention. Can you talk about the very early days of the cafe and what it meant to have the community pitch in to make Samia what it is? It's very important. Community buy-in is huge. You want people to believe in the why and not what it is that you're selling. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of independent coffee shops in Hartford and specifically Black-owned coffee shops. There are a lot of convenient spaces, like convenient brands to serve coffee quick and easy. And I truly believe that does a disservice to people. We're not able to see the labor that goes into what it is that you are consuming or buying at any point. We work with roasters that are intentional with working with small farmers and making sure they're being paid handsomely, right? For me, the reason why I love coming to Samia specifically is because there is not only a way of making coffee accessible, but it also has a culturally relevant context. The taste of the coffee being served here is not the same that's being served at your mm-hmm. local coffee shop that's on every corner, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's comforting for me to come and have your coconut latte, which is sweet and rich and deep and mm-hmm. full of that coffee flavor without tasting like pure milk and sugar, right? That 
café con leche with the sweetened condensed milk. You never go to a coffee shop and see sweetened condensed milk really being added unless it's an independent coffee shop like yours. And so for me, Samia is comfort. It's reminding myself of breakfast with my abuela and having that piece of bread and that good cup of coffee that you just don't taste at a Dunkin' or a Starbucks. Mm -hmm. What has Samia meant to the customers that have come in here? What I've heard customers say, it like similar to what you said, it just feels like home. Mm -hmm. And that is huge. That is like what we want to go for, right? We want people to feel comfortable in this space, feel like they can like sit and take their time to order. You know, the, the less transactional this feels, the better off we are. The music also is that. So you come mm -hmm. in here and you listen to independent artists, you listen to BIPOC jazz artists and all mm -hmm. types of funk music. And it's so refreshing to have hip hop being played in the halls of places, you know, where <laughs> yeah, you yeah. frequent, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. not this taboo. Mm -hmm. The music aspect, the DJ aspect, how does that also contribute to what Samia means to the folks that come here. I mean, music is authentic to us, right? So I remember working in spaces where they're like, oh, well, you can play this, but you can't play that. I'm already feeling like I can't just be myself, you know? And like, the more that I'm able to feel like myself, my, like I'm showing up myself, I'm better. I'm, and people are going to also receive that. Like, oh, wow, like your, your energy is really great today. Yeah, playing the music I wanna listen to, making great coffee. And we're having great conversation, you know? Authenticity as pure as the product. I yeah. love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it seems like the energy is reciprocal because the community bought into you, helped Samia come off the ground and become this place where we can all gather. Mm -hmm. But it's also a space where we can all find our people as well, our markets as well. And so you yeah. sell a litany of different types of items, services from different makers that are local. Could mm -hmm. you talk more about those businesses and those items that you provide here? A vendor that's been with us from the jump Jocelyn Serda, mm -hmm. Sochil CBD. Mm -hmm. She is an amazing vendor and has been a huge staple. We have customers coming in like, hey, do you have CBD? Do you have pre-rolls today? Mm -hmm. And it's also been really cool to see her growth as the cannabis industry grows and starts to become, become more normalized. Yeah, more normalized in the state. Another vendor that we have is Key Bookstore. Key Bookstore. Shout I, out to Kamani Harris. Yeah, Kamani is killing it. I love the books that we're getting and customers are coming in and they'll look through them and buy them. When we talk about spaces that are activating Hartford and like becoming catalysts, I really feel like it's important specifically for books. Like yes. outside of the Hartford Public Library, we don't have, Hartford is lacking in independent bookstores. Mm. And I think what the studio aspect of the business really tries to do and aims to do is say, okay, like here are all these amazing people with these products, shine a light on them. And then mm -hmm. hopefully like they can be like, okay, well, we're not on the shelves. We have our own storefront now. That group economics yes. builds yeah. on other people's ability to grow themselves and to build their own legacies as mm -hmm. even your family had done at one point. So I know you're holding up a legacy coming from a family <laughs> that had a coffee shop of their own, La Paloma Sabanera. Am I correct? Uh, yes, La Paloma Sabanera. So Sabanera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so... Can you talk about how you came into this craft and how you grew up learning about the culture? My family opened up La Paloma Sabanera on Capitol Ave. That's where Little River is now. Mm -hmm. oh, amazing place to go get a cocktail if anyone's interested yes. as well. But yeah, so it was a coffee shop and bookstore and I essentially grew up there and I would go with my mom 
early morning to go to pick up bakery bread. Mm-hmm. And then she would drop us off at school, pick us up, and then we would go back to the shop to help her close and like mop the floor, move the tables. And that had a huge impact on me. Not really learning coffee, but seeing what a community can do when you have a third space like that mm. was really important to see. So you went from growing up in the coffee shop of your parents, mm-hmm. that coffee shop closing down in 2013. Mm-hmm. And then shortly afterward, now you're going to the coffee capital of America. Yes. Yeah, Seattle, yeah, yeah. Washington. Yeah. And yeah. you learn about coffee. coffee there and you learn about mm-hmm. service. And tell me more about that journey. Yeah. So I dropped out of college and did like a bunch of other community organizing jobs, but I needed to find like what I really wanted to do. I wanted to build community a different way than just through nonprofit organizing. Just to like say to my mom, oh, I'm just going to do coffee. I'm going to learn coffee. And so I ended up going to Seattle and being able to work at different types of coffee shops. I worked at a catering spot when I first moved there to then working at Espresso Vivace, which is known for really bringing espresso to America. And like David Schomer is well known in the industry. So I learned from him specifically, and that was really important to my growth. I worked at an independent Black-owned coffee shop called Togo, which is in a predominantly Black neighborhood in Seattle, the CD. And that was really important to see, like, another way of how coffee is done. So you came from Washington, came back to Connecticut with all this background information, service information you have activism in your psyche (laughs) and you make food this universal platform this universal pathway to Mm -hmm. creating change yeah anybody that has an interest or a passion can find some place to connect here Mm -hmm. because you hold that space for just such a diverse group of interests and passions let alone demographics yeah and so all that to say i truly hope that after this, people really come out to Hartford, see the beauty that Samia provides, that Samia represents in Hartford, and mm-hmm. come for a damn good cup of coffee. Like, we talk a lot about you, <laughs> yeah. but we haven't talked about the coconut latte that sets my life oh, yeah, on fire. Yeah, yeah. And it's the such a good dream. amazing Occupatties that I used to get, the thyme and honey, walnut toast. Mm-hmm. The food here is great, but the people who are running it are even greater. So if you ever have a chance, come out to Hartford on Main Street. Yeah. Come to Samia and come say hi to Elijah because they are going <laughs> to make sure you feel like you've been here a thousand times before. Thank you. <laughs> that was producer Catrice Claudio talking with the co-founder of Samia Cafe and Studio, Elijah Hilleman. Catrice and Elijah mentioned the Maroon series. It's a monthly jam session at the space. You're hearing music by the local band Mixed Company right now. They've performed at Samia. Learn more about the Maroon series by reading my colleague Ayanna Brown's story about it on our show page, ctpublic.org seasoned. I'm Robin Doyon Aiken. After the break, you're invited to an Eritrean coffee ceremony. Well, producer Tegan Engel was invited, but you get to learn all about it. If somebody invites you to have the Ethiopian Eritrean coffee with them, you mean a lot to them, like you're the best friend and they love you and it means you are part of my family. Mm. This is Seasoned. We'll be right back.
Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. Welcome back to Seasoned, everyone. I'm Robin Doyon Aiken. We're going from a neighborhood living room to a literal living room for our next story. Producer Tegan Engel visited the home of a dear friend to experience an Ethiopian and Eritrean coffee ceremony. Each element of the ceremony brings people together through a shared sensory experience. The sound of green coffee beans popping as they roast, the taste of customary snacks like popcorn, nuts, and fruit, and the smell of burning incense and the warm spiced coffee itself perfuming the air. Tegan is your guide through all this, and she takes it from here. Years ago, my friend Farha Abubakar surprised me with my first Eritrean coffee ceremony. The ritual honored our growing connection as friends, neighbors, and mothers, and it gave me a glimpse into the richness of her culture and traditions. Farha is a teacher, former journalist and chef, and she came to New Haven as a refugee with her two children. It was challenging to build a new life here, but food and friends provided some much-needed beauty and connection. The traditional Eritrean coffee ceremony was a special experience, and I wanted more people to learn about it. I wasn't sure if Farha would want to share this intimate ritual more publicly, but lucky for us, she invited me to join her in her home. Could you share a little bit about the meaning of this Ethiopian and Eritrean coffee ceremony? Here in America, if somebody invites you to have the Ethiopian Eritrean coffee with them, that's mean you mean a lot to them, like you're the best friend and they love you. And for some people like you, Tegan, it's mean you are part of my family. Mm. Thank you. That tells me even more. You first invited me a few years ago to do this. You surprised me when I was visiting you, and I was so honored. But to hear that it really means I'm part of your family, which is how I feel. It yes, you are. Yes. makes my heart explode a little bit. So we are in your kitchen, and you have a number of interesting things here. Is it traditional for the person who is part of the ceremony, like I am, to be part of preparing the coffee with you? Usually, no, but since you're curious, I let you come to my kitchen <laughs> and, and I like to show you how to roast the coffee. But usually, 
when we invite somebody we let the guests sit in in the living room usually and the person who make the coffee sitting also and doing everything in front of the guest yes and it usually would be cooked over charcoal there. yes yes but for adapting it for an american home and <laughs> yes. apartment we're gonna do it on your stove in your kitchen so yes, yes. so we're here and you have a few things on the counter could you walk us through how do we start to prepare the coffee let's start with the hard part like finding the good coffee it's take me like long 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 time and search it from places usually my family they would send it from Eritrea or Ethiopia but it's start to be expensive I ordered this from Amazon and for one pound it's like $27 but it's the good coffee the coffee it's green and I washed it and after that we're gonna roast it together and I will let you smell it Beautiful. I love that we get to start with smelling. And when I, this was the first time I ever saw someone roast coffee in their home before. So oh. I'm excited to see it again. My mom and my grandmother, they um, use their hand to measure the coffee, but I'm not that person. So I use one of the special cup that we're going to serve the coffee in it. So, so it's a little teacup. Yeah, the teacup. So this is the one, and we're going to roast it, and this... It's a, a small pan with a very long handle. Yes. We call it integrinya mankeshkesh. Mm. So we're going to roast the coffee in it. So I have to take time and doing it, and let it sit and roast, and it's going to take like maybe seven, eight minutes. Okay. I don't like dark coffee, so I like it like medium. So we're gonna do that. So, so this is like a, a thin metal pan, and you're you're holding it right over the electric. Yeah, um, usually it's element. in charcoal, but right. And so traditionally on charcoal, and you're shaking it, you're sort of touching it and lifting it up so mm -hmm. that it doesn't mm -hmm. burn, right? To yeah, get more even roasting. Yeah, and you do it like one, two, three, four, and put it back. So now it's start to. So you're gonna hear pop. Some of the beans are starting to get light brown, even some mm -hmm. black edges. Some of them are still green. Oh yeah, it does get very smoky, huh? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you do after you roast the coffee? So I was shaking the coffee and the last two times I was shaking it so the guests gonna know that I'm almost done with roasting the coffee. And it's the time that you're gonna smell it and wish me good luck or any any kind of wishing to me. And usually in Eritrea, we're using our right hand to take the smoke and we smell it and we saying blessed word or good wishes. Why do you use your right hand for the blessing? It's the hand that we shake people mm. with it. You know, even here, like when you say hi or bye, you're using your right hand. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna, and I'm gonna put it here. And I'm gonna start with the person who's in my ra right side. And I'm gonna take it and you're gonna smell it. And so I'm using my right hand to smell it. Mm-hmm. And I wish you so many blessings, my friend, for Thank good you. fortune and prosperity and good health and so many blessings for your family. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to put it in front of you until it starts to be cold. And after that, I'm going to take it and ground it. Before that, I'm going to ask you if you like the coffee with ginger, 
Usually in Eritrea, in my culture, we we don't ask the guests if they like it with ginger because everybody like it with ginger <laughs> because the weather it's a little bit cold. But sometimes, like if it's fancy, I say I have cardamom. Do you want me to add some cardamom on the coffee or not? Yes, please. Ginger and cardamom sounds wonderful. Okay. Are there other spices that people sometimes use in the coffee? Yes, they put cloves. Cloves, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes people they just drink the coffee without anything. Mm-hmm. So now we have to wait for it to cool down, right? And then what do we do? We're gonna round it. Okay. Usually we use this, but it's gonna take forever. A wood mortar and pestle, yeah. The coffee ceremony it take between one to five hours. Usually people they do it in like wedding, holiday, Sunday. So people when they finish their work and having lunch. They do that ceremony. Mm. It's really beautiful. Yeah. I like Beautiful cardamom. green cardamom. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That looks very fresh. Where did you get this very fresh cardamom? <laughs> Is this a secret source? No, it's from the Indian. From the Indian market? Mine doesn't look that good, and it's also from the Indian market. You have about three cardamom pods, and you had maybe about a quarter cup to a third of a cup of coffee beans that are roasted. I like to make it light. I don't like the strong flavor. I'm one of these people. I want to taste everything. You can tell one of the things we connected on is that we both were chefs. So that's part of how we built our friendship <laughs> is constantly eating and talking about food and cooking. And <laughs> So to make it perfect, I like to put everything in the blender. So we put a little ground ginger, some yeah. powdered ginger. Do you sometimes use fresh ginger also? Yes, I do that. So I'm going to use this machine. You don't have to make it very, very fine. Not too fine. Yes. Mm -hmm. And after that, put the water and the coffee, everything in the clay. My beautiful thing. Yes. I, I have this from 11 years. So What is this called? We call it Jebana. Jebana. Yeah. Okay. And it's a beautiful black clay pot with a long, narrow top, a handle, and a single spout. Mm -hmm. And so traditionally, you would put that over charcoal, and you would put the coffee grounds in the water and cook it so it boils yes, inside yes, the clay. Yes. And it's giving you sign when the coffee is ready. But since I'm using the stove, it's, sometimes it's not safe. Like right. My it will crack. Yeah. Yes. So you're, you ground all the beans with the spices and then for the stovetop, you put it in a small metal kettle or people could use like a small metal pot, right? Yes. With some water. Yes. And how long do you simmer it on the stove? So you're going to simmer it for two times until it's boiled. The second one, it's really fast. I want all the flavor coming and it's going to be good combination. So this is the first step. Until it's boiled, we usually like to serve something to eat with it. Like coffee and bread, it's coming together. So when we wake up, there is the coffee and there is the bread. If we gonna do it at the weekend, we make the coffee and prepare some fruit or popcorn or dessert or something like that. If I invite somebody, I have also to prepare some stuff showing the hospitality, especially the popcorn. Popcorn is white and coffee is black. So it's good combination that I'm welcoming this person. Mm -hmm. I want you to enjoy the coffee 
And also I asked Tegan to bring some green for blessing. So like having flower. And usually in Eritrea and Ethiopia, we have like the grass or anything. So you go outside and you get some of the grass and put it around the place. You can see how much you are important to the person who inviting you for the coffee. It's not like when it's serving you cake or fancy food. No, it's how they prepare the coffee with love, what kind of conversation, how they they welcome you. It's not about how many food or how many dishes fancy. It's not like that. There is like poor people. They don't have anything. They just welcome you with the coffee and just flour in the floor. Mm-hmm. So you can feel that. Yes. That's something that's so special about it is that I could really feel when you invited me to do this, I, maybe it was four years ago or something, and I just felt so overcome with love just <laughs> from the experience of doing this and from you sharing your culture in this way. So it's really special. Oh, the coffee is starting to bubble up. Yeah. So this is the first one. So you take it off the burner for a minute. Yeah. And I'm going to put it back. So we're letting it simmer for a little bit. It's simmering differently this time than the yes. first time. Yes. The first time more bubbled up right at the top. Now it, it boiled longer mm-hmm. and it's just starting to make more of a foam on the top now. And we almost done. How did you first learn this ceremony? Where did you first experience it? It's the mom's responsibility to teach her daughter when she's eight or nine how to roast the coffee. Mm. Like I'm doing with my daughter. So as Eritrean, and I don't know how to roast the coffee or I don't know how to do the ceremony, it's shame on my mom that she didn't teach me. So can you tell us what you're doing now? You just put something on the burner. Okay, so we finished the first part of making the coffee. Now I put the charcoal on the stove because now we're going to prepare to drink the coffee. So we're going to put some essence. So when we drink the coffee, we have to smell also good thing beside it. And do you see the color of the coffee? It's not black and it's not light. It's brown, like my eye color. Usually my grandmother, she keeps saying that every girl, she have to roast the coffee. To match her eye color? And I believe this is my eye color. I don't know. <laughs> so you're putting the coffee into the traditional clay pitcher. Yes. So you have to drink the coffee three times. You're listening to New Haven resident Farha Abubakar and producer Tegan Engel as they connect over a traditional Eritrean coffee ceremony. I'm Robin Doyan Aiken. More of the coffee ceremony after a quick break. One of the beautiful things about the Eritrean Ethiopian coffee that you have to drink it with people, so it's going to be more enjoyable. This is Seasoned on Connecticut Public Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Seasoned, everyone. I'm Robin Doyon Aiken. For so many, coffee is more than a way to start the day. It's an expression of cultural tradition and profound hospitality. When we left off, producer Tegan Engel and her dear friend, Farha Abubakar, had just finished roasting, grinding, and boiling coffee for an Eritrean coffee ceremony. 
The coffee was ground with spices and boiled twice, and Farha poured the coffee into her prized vessel called a jebana. Her living room is full of green plants symbolizing blessings. She's burning incense and crumbling bits of dried eucalyptus over hot charcoal. And uh, sometimes we use the frankincense. Yeah. So you have this charcoal that you heated on the stove and you mm-hmm. put in this beautiful metal ornate dish and then you've put the incense directly on top of the burning charcoal. So yes. it's making lots of delicious smelling smoke in the room. Yeah, There's and so many beautiful senses yeah, involved and, in it. Yeah, so it's going to make it more warm. And we have the coffee and we have the sugar and we have, we call it finjan. So it's smaller and doesn't have a handle like an American coffee cup. And the design, it's uh, Eritrean, uh, Ethiopian. Mm. So this is what we have in our clothes. So Mm. it's it's fancy one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have to do it up like this. Lifting it high above the cup. A long pour. And it's, it's like the higher that you put it the more that you're professional. And I have to, you see where I put my left hand? So I don't have to leave my left hand in the air. I have to support my right hand. So it's showing that I'm doing it with love. And elegance. (laughs) (laughs) So I ask the guests how many sugar they like in their coffee. I will take just a little bit. And after that, we're going to sit. And also, we have some fruit, and I put some candy. And my beautiful friend, she brings some nuts and dry fruit. Next thing that I'm going to give you your finjan, so you're not allowed to jump and take your finjan. It's rude. And it's shown that there is protocol. So I'm going to give Tegan your finjan. Thank you. You're welcome. And when you drink your coffee, I'm going to look at you usually, and I'm going to wait your comment if you like the coffee or not. Mm. We don't do it anymore, but before, if you don't give the comment, I'm going to dump the coffee and I'm going to make another one. Mm. So the first one, when you taste it, you have to say the word in Tigrinya. It's mean delicious. The word, it's Tom. 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 Mm-hmm. Tom. Beautiful. All right. So shall we try? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, it's really delicious. (laughs) Be honest with me. If you don't like it, I can roast more. (laughs) No, it's so delicious. It's I like what you said that it's not too strong. Like none of the flavors overpower. So I can taste the coffee, the ginger, and the cardamom. And it's like the coffee has a fruity flavor to it. It's really delicious. I want to enjoy it (laughs) because Mm -hmm. with this vignette, I'm going to drink three shots, not one. So can you imagine like, roast it and make it dark it's going to be really strong to me so yeah and we should explain like the coffee is like a dark black color and it does have a very rich taste I think a lot of people might describe it as strong but I think you're saying it's not overpowering mm-hmm, like it's mm-hmm. not so strong that you couldn't drink three cups of it but yes. it is like very rich tasting and you said it's traditional to drink three cups. Can you tell us a little why, what is the meaning of that? Okay, so the first one, it's like you enjoy it. The second one, you like it. The third one, you satisfied and you will try it one more time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, they drink it until fifth time, but you have to drink it 
you can drink just the first one or you have to continue until the third one or you can drink until the fifth one okay you can't stop at two no okay not two because it would four. be insulting yeah 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 because i think you had told me it's really a friendship ceremony right or family ceremony about mm -hmm. it seems like you're doing all of this love in the way that you prepare it and the smells and the sounds and the ritual of it and so my part in the friendship ceremony is to receive it and tell you that it's delicious and to stay and participate through each mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. cycles to really be like my side of the relationship that i'm here and receiving your love yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of showing me that you enjoy the time with me when you drink until the third or the fifth shall we do Another cup? Yes. Does anybody ever drink it with no sugar? Or is that not traditional? Yeah, but why you don't put a little bit and don't enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the second finjan. You start with the right for blessing, and it's good to start with the right side. Is there a special coffee ceremony that in your life that you participated in that it feels very meaningful that you could describe to us? My mom, she teach me how to make the coffee when I was nine, but the really one, I was at the military service. I was at the war and I get the, the news that I'm gonna return back to my family. So I was telling my group that I will make the coffee to you for goodbye. So that was the first time that I roast the coffee. I was enjoying to make the coffee to them and it was really like I cannot forget how it was really happy time to me and sad time to them because it was goodbye to them and it was new life to me. Wow, thank you for sharing that. How does it feel to you to be living in a country where there's not so many people who share these very special parts of your own culture? One of the beautiful thing about making the Eritrean Ethiopian coffee that you have to drink it with people. So it's gonna be more enjoyable. So my problem was how can I find people to sit with me and drink coffee? <laughs> so I start to knock my neighbor door. <laughs> so he said, okay, I will come. Has that really helped you to feel more connected and more, more support from people here? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's easy to tell people that I'm Eritrean. I want to make coffee. Can you come and drink coffee with me? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if you could share a little just about what your journey has been to this country. Like you came as, as a refugee here. And what, what has that experience been for you to make a new life here? So I want to tell you that you don't choose to come as a refugee. There is situation force you to come like it's make me a little bit sad sometimes people they think that I decide to come as a refugee no like I left my family my country my job my everything that I love because it wasn't safe for my kids like a matter of life and death not safe for them. yeah I left everything and I came here and I get like short note like they call me from UNCR that Monday and they said are you ready to leave the country Wednesday wow and when I came here I came with I was lucky that Iris the agency they welcomed me and there was like my family at that time it was really hard and complicated like for single mom I start from zero here but I know I'm a strong person I'm struggling but I'm still alive I do this for my kids, 
So mm. everything is going to be okay. Yeah, I say tomorrow is going to be more beautiful. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, you know, you have this skill of connecting with people and making friends. And I think yeah. that, that is something that brings some support. So we'll drink, we'll drink <laughs> to friendship and blessings for you with yeah. the second cup of coffee. Is there anything about the ceremony that we haven't gotten to yet or that feels important that you want to share? Yeah, the coffee ceremony, it's different when we invite friends and when we have it on the wedding and when we make it when somebody died. So when we invite friends, we put fruit, all this beautiful thing on the wedding when people, they have the big meal, they can drink it. But when somebody died or there is bad news, we cannot put all this thing. We just serve the coffee even without the scent. So mm. it's shown respect, but at the same time, Coffee is important. Mm. And do the children participate in the coffee ceremony? Oh, no. No, you have to be adult. But they can have some of the fruit or the stuff, but they're not allowed to drink coffee. Yeah. Mm -mm. Shall we do the third cup? Since I know we can't leave before <laughs> we do our third cup. So the first cup was the tasting. The second cup was the blessing. And the third cup... You enjoy it, and it's given me sign that you're going to come again. If I invite you, you're going to come again. Beautiful. And I hope you're going to come again. Without question. <laughs> that was producer Tegan Engel and her friend Farha Abubakar in New Haven. You can see photos of the Eritrean coffee ceremony they shared together on our website, ctpublic.org seasoned. We asked you to send us voice memos about your favorite coffee shops, and several shout-outs came in for a shop and its sister coffee bar in West Hartford. Hi, Robin. This is Robin Sauvet. I just wanted to give a shout-out to J. Renee Coffee Roasters on 320 Park Ave in West Hartford. Amazing, amazing coffee, wonderful staff, great local organization. Just huge shout-out to them. Hey there, uh, my name is Matt Bronson. Uh, my favorite Connecticut coffee spot, Victus Coffee in West Hartford. It's right on LaSalle Road. It's right in the cook shop. It's pretty amazing if you're shopping, but they just have three simple roasts, light, medium, and dark, and they're, they're pretty incredible. It's definitely specialty coffee. Uh, they also give to different uh, charitable organizations that help folks that are athletes and uh, run by great people in conjunction with Jay Renee on uh, Park Road. So that's my favorite Connecticut coffee spot. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You can hear an interview with Jay Renee linked up on our show page. I'm Robin Doyon Aiken. Seasoned is produced by me and Katie Tolerski, Meg Dalton, Catrice Claudio, Stephanie Stender, Tegan Engel, Meg Fitzgerald, Sabrina Herrera. Before we go, if you have a question about how to brine, roast, or carve a turkey, or how to make a gravy that'll hide all manner of turkey roasting sins, we're planning our Thanksgiving Day show now. Send your cooking questions to seasoned at ctpublic.org, and our chefs will answer your questions on the air. To keep up with the latest on Seasoned, follow at ctpublic on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And we're at WNPR on X, formerly known as Twitter. Catch this and past episodes of Seasoned wherever you get your podcasts. And subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you like the show, do us a favor and rate it on Apple Podcasts. It helps other food lovers find us. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time.